Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. So one of the great blessings in life is having a collection of friendships to share it with, to enjoy life with. Um, One of the great blessings of having friendships is you find that some of those friends have abilities that you don't have, and they sometimes can help you with things. I've never learned this more than in home ownership. Uh, Lisa and I bought our first house in the beginning of 2008, and very quickly learned that there are a lot of things that I don't know about taking care of a house. Uh, I got shocked a few times touching some outlets, so I had to call Rodney and say, how do I not get shocked when I touch this outlet, Rodney? And he helped me out. When the house started to get a little bit hot and the air conditioner wasn't working, I don't have the first clue how to fix that. I've got some friends I can call. Um, Especially remember the time that I put a pound of cooked spaghetti down the drinks. I thought the garbage disposal would eat that up, and it didn't. Ended up with four holes in our drain line in the basement to get all the spaghetti out of there. For, it took me two days, two days. But the, the way I figured that out, I had to call Greg Hall and say, hey, man, I did something. I don't really want to tell you what I did. but <laughs> So it's great to have friends like that. I learned it even more when we moved into this, the house we live in now. Last summer we bought a house, and um, we're doing some remodeling, and you know about a Three or four weeks into that, I broke my arm pretty bad and was not able to, for a year, do much work on the house. And what I learned in that time was that there was not, I didn't just have friends in my life that had abilities to do things that I couldn't do where they could help me. I also had friends in my life that really wanted to help, that were there, standing ready, that were asking, hey, what do you need done? How can I assist you in what's going on in your life, and your home? Is there something I can do for you or your family that would make things easier for you? Well, as we think about our prayer life, one of the things that happens oftentimes is we feel like we're kind of alone in the life of prayer. And we've said over and over, and we all acknowledge that prayer is actually a pretty difficult thing to do. It is a spiritual endeavor, and you and I are battling our flesh. It's just that simple. Prayer is something that's spiritual, and you and I are at war with our flesh, and that means prayer is something that is hard to do. Well, Jude tells us here in Jude chapter 1, 20 and 21, that we have a friend that wants to help us in prayer. And we might be surprised about this friend, not only that we have this friend in our life, but that this friend is standing ready and willing to help us be people who are persevering and powerful in our prayer life. That's what this friend wants to do. You notice in chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, when he says that you need to be built up. I want you to encourage you to build you up in the most holy faith. And then he has this phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. So i got to confess to you, I went back and I started searching. I've got notes, basically all my sermon notes from 2012 until now. I started searching and searching and searching. I must confess to you that I've only taught from this pulpit what it means to pray in the Spirit one time in the last seven and a half years. And that's my fault. I'm sorry for that. I should have done a better job. 
And so I wanted to pause today and come into this subject because my guess is, estimation is, that if I gave you a blank piece of paper and said, um, write down what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit, you might have some trouble with what that means and making sure that we do that. Um, It's very important. Paul says when he's telling us about the armor that we're supposed to wear in Ephesians chapter 6, talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. And he gets down to verse 18 and he says, praying always in the Spirit. Always be doing this. It's important that we know how to do this. It's important that we do this right and we do this well. And I hope today we'll be able to learn that. Romans chapter 8, so I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, is going to be the place that we anchor in to learn what the Bible really is trying to get at when it says that we need to be people who are praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. We're going to find out today that praying in the Spirit is essential to unlocking an effective and powerful and enjoyable prayer life. It's going to take prayer from just being a thing where we throw up suggestions in the suggestion box to God to something where we cultivate and develop some intimacy and closeness with Him, where we have life-giving conversation with the Father. So in Romans chapter 8, quick context, Romans chapter 8 all the way leading up until this point is really about our longing for and our hope for what is in store for life after this life, where we are wrestling in the flesh and longing for the spiritual things of life that there's great anticipation of what's to come, but there's also some questions about it. Romans 8 says that there's a lot of things you don't know about what's coming in the life to come. And so he says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in light of this hope and this anticipation, but also some questions, he says, in the same way or likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. There's something there that we need to make sure we learn. Let me tell you something, first of all, that praying in the Spirit, for us to go any step further than what we're talking about right now, praying in the Spirit hinges upon your agreement with the second sentence in verse 26. That you've got to look at that sentence and you've got to say, I agree with what's being said here. He says in verse 26, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That we don't always know what to be praying for. That our minds are full of burdens, our life is full of concerns and fears, there's things that we want to see happen, there's things that we hope don't happen, but when we come to the throne of God and are ready to pray to Him in Jesus' name for things in our life, we've got to at least own this truth that Paul is saying, that we don't always know what to pray for. We are children. He is a father. He sees things in a light that we don't always see. He's got a vision that's bigger than our vision. He knows things that we don't know. Just like an earthly father knows more than his child who is young, our heavenly father is the same way. And so you and I will not be able to tap into what Paul is talking about here if we don't first just acknowledge and own 
what he says, that we don't always know what to pray for. You know, this is really why prayer is hard. Because we're coming to the sovereign throne of the universe and bringing concerns and worries and fears and, and, um, and asks and wanting him to do things, and we don't always know how to ask for the right things or what should be done. And so if we own this, that we don't always know what to pray for, we'll then be able to really unlock what it means to pray in the Spirit. So let's learn this morning what it means to pray in the Spirit. The first thing it means is that we submit to the Spirit. We submit to the Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not isolated just to the practice of prayer. We've talked in times past about what the Holy Spirit does, His ministry in this world and His ministry to us, and that's important for us to realize that He is the presence of God in us today. He's a gift from Christ to those who have united themselves to Jesus in baptism. And then our entire life from that point forward is intertwined with the Holy Spirit. But how we relate to the Spirit matters in how we live every day. We are warned by Paul not to be people who quench the Spirit in our life, that we need to make sure that we don't choke him out, that he's not left out of our lives, but we're actually supposed to be uh, working with and living with him. The results of our lives when we choke out the Spirit is lifeless and frustrating religion. But with the Spirit, Romans 8, 5 says, we have life, and we have peace. Now in Galatians chapter 5, Paul uses four different verbs. I want to show you these quickly. We don't have time to unpack all of Galatians chapter 5, but you can look there if you want. In Galatians 5, Paul uses four verbs that describe how we are to relate to and interact with the Holy Spirit. And these are designed then to make us people who live and bear the fruit of the Spirit, the character that God wants us to have. You know the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That if we want to see those things manifest in our life, we're going to have to practice these verbs. So in verse 16 we see of Galatians chapter 5 that we are to live by the Spirit meaning that we um, actually generate or gather from him our very life, that we rely upon him for the sustenance of life. Verse 18 says that we are to keep in step with the Spirit. Pardon me, that's verse 25. I got that out of order. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 18 tells us that we are to be... Oh, I only put two in there. I'm sorry. I, I typed them. I don't know what happened to them. They lost them. Let me tell you. Verse 16 is that we are to live or to walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, we are led by the Spirit. Verse 25 says that we are to live by the Spirit. And then he says we're to keep in step with. There it is. Keep in step with the Spirit. Do you see all these verbs? Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. All of these, which bring forth of the results of the fruit of the Spirit, hinges upon us submitting to the Holy Spirit. Our whole, the whole narrative of God's people in the Old Testament, if you go back and watch and read these stories, the whole narrative of God's people in the Old Testament is really ask God finding out and asking them, will you submit to me? Will you trust me? Will you follow me? And will you let me lead you? Or, or will you do things on your own without me? 
And that's really the main question of how people live their lives today. Will you submit to God? Will you trust God? Will you follow God? Will you rely upon God in your life? Or are you going to go your own way and live without Him? Are you going to try to run your own life? Cast your own vision, make your own plans, solve your own problems, use your own strength, or are you going to submit to God? You see, prayer is no different than the way we're describing how we're supposed to live. Imagine for a moment you're sitting in a room. Let's say it's a room of a few close friends, four or five really close friends, and um, you're there, and and these are people that you know, that you trust, that you love, and you're going to pray together about something important. Now, also imagine that Jesus himself in bodily form is sitting there, okay? So you're there, you got your friends there, and Jesus is there, and you're getting ready to pray. How would you treat that situation? Would you go, okay, let's pray, and just start praying? Or would you look over at Jesus and be like, hey, you want to take this one? (laughs) I, I think we might at least say, you got any tips on how to do this well? Any insight on things I should pray for? What do you think we should ask God for, Jesus? Would, would you not do that if Jesus were sitting in bodily form with you, with your friends, getting ready to pray? Hey, Jesus, what do you think? Well, Jesus said God is with us. So when you begin to pray, don't just immediately hurry and rush yourself and start spouting off all these words to God. When you come to God and be ready to pray, praying in the Spirit means you pause and you go, what should I pray about? lead me. You come with a plan, that's great. You've got ideas on what you want to bring to him, that's wonderful. But when you come to God, ask him. Pause for a moment. Take a deep breath and say, what should I be praying about today? How should I be praying about this? I come in Jesus' name and I'm asking you to show me what I should pray for. Submitting to the Spirit is the first way we learn how to pray in the Spirit. The second thing we need to do if we're going to pray in the Spirit of God, is not just submit to Him and say, okay, show me what to pray for, but also we need to be strengthened by the Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to you is essential for your Christian life to go well. That's why it's so important for you and I to be in God's Word, by the way. As a side note, but a main point. That if you're not in God's Word, you're not going to understand what God wants out of your life. You're not going to be able to pray according to His will. You're not going to be able to respond in accordance with reality. God's Word is ultimate truth. And when you understand it, you then begin to really learn how to pray. The Word of God was the Holy Spirit's greatest work, that He brought us this collection of Scripture, His ministry to us. It's where God's God's will is revealed. You see, prayer is more than just talking at God. Prayer is so much more than you and I just talking at God. It is responding to what God has already said. So much of our prayer life actually needs to be fed by what God has said to us in His Word. And so you and I need to think through that. We need to struggle in pardon me, we struggle in prayer because we don't always know what to pray for, like Paul said. But there are a lot of things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in God's Word that we can know. And when we do this, it has major impact. And one of the main things that we learn from God's Word is what the Holy Spirit really does for the believer. There's a lot of confusion in the world about this. A lot of people take license and liberty with this, or sometimes they stay altogether away from this doctrine and don't even think about it. But the Word of God reveals to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and He shows us two things, the the things that the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Holy Spirit reminds us of our position with God. 
You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is what leads us to knowing God as Father. He says in Romans 8, the Spirit that's been given to us, the Spirit of Christ, is what is in us that makes us say, Abba, Father. Galatians tells us that's really what's in us that makes us draw near to God and see Him as our Father. The Holy Spirit in us is what pours God's love into our heart. It's what takes it from here to here and connects that to be real for us. The Holy Spirit in us is what reminds us what Jesus is doing right now. Remember in John chapter 16, he says the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness and the judgment to come. Righteousness because Jesus goes to the Father. You know what Jesus is doing right now with the Father? He's interceding on your behalf. He's advocating for you, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. And He reminds us that Satan has been judged. You see, this idea of what the Holy Spirit does to us builds confidence in us that we have access to God in His throne room through Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I think about my kids so much. Uh, uh, um, When they talk to me most, when they're most comfortable and most open, most excited to be talking to me. When I step back and realize, I'm saying, okay, in this moment, they know that they're loved. They have complete security about that. They have peace on their mind right now. They have welcome. They, they have excitement to be with us. They feel like they're connected to us. They feel secure. They know that I care about what they're saying. And when all those things come together, my kids just naturally want to be sharing things with us. Well, the same is true with God. Your prayers will become more excited, more open, more confident, and more frequent when you remember your position with God in Jesus Christ. That's vital for us to remember who we are in Jesus before the throne. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just remind us of our position. He also reminds us of His purpose. The Bible is clear about this. John 16 says the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, to lift him up, to show him as great. And this is exactly in line with what God's will is. God's ultimate desire in Habakkuk chapter 2 is that his glory would fill the earth like waters fill the sea. Meaning what God wants is for the whole world to know his glory and his greatness. Well, when I do an inventory of my prayers, you know what I find? I find a lot of obsession with myself. I find a lot of uh, concerns about my life. I find a lot of uh, really interest in my uh, own resolving my own challenges. I find in my prayer life I want things to be easier. I want things to be better. I want things to be different in my life. And so often these two things, God's glory and my life, feel at odds with each other. There's some tension there. Like I've got to pick one or the other. And that's actually not true. You see, this is where we need the Holy Spirit so much. Because our instinct is to think about ourselves, to exalt ourselves, to live in ourselves. That's what the flesh does. The flesh loves self and exalts self. And we forget that really what we were designed to do is bring glory and honor to God. The Holy Spirit gently reminds us how to reverse this. Because He knows that the thing that we often forget is this. That God's glory is the key to my ultimate joy. That in my life, when God gets glory, when I submit to His greatness, when I honor Him as God, that's actually the pathway where I find my highest joy, my greatest joy. And so the Holy Spirit, as we let ourselves be strengthened by Him, reminds us of our position and reminds us of the real purpose, that when we pray, we're supposed to be praying 
and search for the glory and the will of God. Let me give you the last point. To pray in the Spirit doesn't just mean that we submit to Him and and be led by Him or even strengthened by Him, but we're actually served by Him in prayer as well. You notice Romans chapter 8 has a big promise there. He says that the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. That when you pray, when you bring your prayers to God and you don't know exactly what to pray for, that there is between your prayers ending and the throne of God, something transpires to take those requests, those concerns for the believer and bring them to God according to His will. The Spirit takes our weakness, our ignorance, our failings, so long as we give Him our submission and allegiance and connects those prayers to the will of God not only by revealing the, the Word of God to us, but taking them to the throne in a way that seeks the will of God. This is beautiful. Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. She's okay. Hey, she's okay. Is she okay, guys? She's just fine. She's trying to approach the throne like we should. I'm not laughing. Right, honey? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Do you see that, though? Children, no fear at all. They just come. That's beautiful. Okay, Revelation 8, verse 3, let me tell you this. There's this picture of the throne room of God. You ever wonder what goes on up there? It's amazing. One verse in verse 3 of chapter 8 says this. Another angel shows up, and he's given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints. What's that mean? Well, Earlier in the Bible, we learned that incense, the sweet-smelling aroma that arrives to the throne of God to give Him pleasure, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We learn that from God. It's wonderful. So here's what happens. The Holy Spirit takes our prayers and brings the merit of Jesus Christ, and He aligns it with the will of God and presents those to the will of God. So even if we get it wrong, He's helping us. You see, the Holy Spirit takes our faltering and imperfect prayers and prepares them to be acceptable to God. Isn't that a wonderful blessing for Christians? That when you come to God and you've got burdens on your mind, you're concerned about things, but you want to do the will of God and you pray and you don't know how to pray and you say, God, I don't know what I should be praying for, and you submit to the Spirit and you let Him remind you of the truth in Scripture so you can be aligned with Him. When you pray, even when you fail and you falter and you don't pray properly, guess what? The Holy Spirit intercedes and takes that prayer and smashes it with the will of God and bears them on the wings of sanity so that God's will will be done in our life. Thank God for what He does for us. You see, God knows that prayer is hard for us. He didn't give us prayer to test us to see what we're made of. He gave us prayer to bless us, to connect to Him, and be one with Him. But prayer has always been hard. It's hard for those who are closest to Jesus. You know the night Jesus was betrayed, what the disciples were trying to do? Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane with His three best friends, right? And He said, I want you guys to sit here, watch and pray. And what'd they do? Fell asleep, right? Jesus goes off, he prays, he comes back, he finds them sleeping, he says, what are you doing? I know the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, try again, pray. He goes and he prays, he comes back, sleeping again. Third time, three times this happens. They failed Jesus that night in their duty to pray for him. And some of you may feel like those guys, especially Peter. 
Maybe you feel burdened down by guilt because of your commitment to prayer but lack of execution. Maybe your lack of prayer, your prayerlessness is frustrating and you feel guilt and shame over that. I want to remind you of something that happened to one of those guys. Remember Peter? Before this night happened, what did Jesus say to Peter about this night? Peter, I have prayed for you. Jesus interceded for Peter. You see, maybe you've grown tired or disinterested or selfish. Maybe you've grown weak and stopped praying. Remember this, that Jesus is praying for us, that he's interceding to the Father. And he wants you to come and to be with him, to spend time with him, and to be in prayer with him, like Peter, to return to him, to be renewed by him, to be one with him again. And if you're here and you need to do that, we're here to help you walk with Jesus Christ. Won't you come?